and we're going to be talking about fundamentals. Okay, so what are fundamentals? Uh, everything that we do and that we do well uh, really is all about fundamentals, identifying what those things, uh, even about your job or extracurricular activities that you're involved in, uh, soccer, dancing, uh, singing, whatever those things are that you're really passionate about, uh, you have to learn the fundamentals. Right, Thomas? So you're good at soccer because your coaches have trained you and taught you how to do the, the things that you need. What are those things? What is one of those things? Okay, you got to learn how to dribble, right? And that's not the dribbling from your mouth, is it? That's the dribbling with your feet, right? The ball, right? What's another thing? Shooting. That's right. One more. Passing. So if you do those three things well, you'll probably be fairly successful at soccer. Of course, there's all different kinds of things to learn. You definitely can improve your skill in those areas. But if you get those fundamentals right, you're going to have some good success, right? It's the same with baseball. Baseball has been my passion for many, many years. Uh, those of you who know me know that. Uh, but even back when the first game of baseball was even thought about, was 1744 uh, in England. Uh, some people were tired of playing cricket. Uh, so they thought, well, let's make cricket more interesting, right? No, no. <laughs> There's a little stab, a little, little niggle there. But that earliest mention of baseball was 1744 in England. And uh, this game originated in England. Most people think it's a, an American game, but it wasn't. It was actually originated in England, brought over to Canada, and from Canada went a, a bit south and started in Cooperstown, New York, just uh, just across the Canadian border. And so that's where baseball was kind of uh, made more mainstream. But even back in 1744, they broke this game down into the fundamentals. They said, if you get these things right, if you w learn these things and work on these things, you will be successful. You want to know what they were? Very easy. They called them the building blocks of the game back in the 1700s. They said a successful player must be able to hit the ball, field the ball, throw the ball, and run the bases. If you get those four things right and you do them well, you're probably going to be successful. And you know, I've gone to many high-level baseball camps, and you know what they, they teach in those camps? Hit the ball, throw the ball, field the ball, and run the bases. Everything that they teach in those really high-level sports camps is right in those fundamentals. And that's what we have to do to be successful. I don't think following God is any different. I think if we're going to be successful at following God, if we're going to be successful at having a relationship with Him, we need to know the fundamentals. And by the way, there are fundamentals in marriage as well. Did you know that? <laughs> There's fundamentals of parenting as well. Did you know that? So if you're having a weakness in some part of your life and you're finding it really difficult, it's probably because you're not really learning and getting the fundamentals of what that is. And so it's probably pretty important for you to think about that. What are some of the basics that I need to know and do well? So this, it's the same with, with our relationship with God. We need to ask ourselves what matters to God most, don't we? 
What is the most important thing to him? And what about this Bible? Let's face it, it's a pretty big book, right? I mean, this book alone, I think, has 1,500 pages, and it's a thin line edition. So it's a big book. So we have to ask ourselves about the, if this is God's book, which it is, what, is, what in here is the, the most important? How do we break down all of this into its most vital components? How do we do that? Or is it all important? Well, I think we would all say it was all important, but what is the most compelling fundamental things within this that will help us get to know God better and follow him better? Have you ever picked up a Bible because you knew you ought to read it, but then you just put it back down in frustration because it's just too much? I know you all have, right? Yeah, or you do the hunt and peck. God, show me a message, and you just put your finger down, and you hope it, hope it has something for you. Right? I think we've all done that as well. Sometimes it's just too huge and overwhelming that it scares us, and we just, rather than, than work at trying to figure it all out, we kind of just uh, lay it to the side. It's too hard. It's going to too hard basket. So what I would like for you to encourage you to do is to break it down. And I'm going to help you do that a little bit with this, these next four weeks. We're going to talk about some of those things that rise to the top about God and how we follow him best, these fundamentals. Um, what mattered most to God was a topic that was commonly debated back in Jesus' time. A lot of the religious leaders of those times, they would, they would get together, and that was one of the main questions they would ask. What is the most important thing to God? And they would argue back and forth. What's the most important? What's, what's the, what, what took top priority? And they would argue endlessly. That's not surprising. We like to argue. We like to kind of uh, go back and forth. And the religious leaders of that time were no exception. And when Jesus was around, they would like, they would like to enter him into that debate, enter, enter, entertain him and what he thought. And... In Mark chapter 12, this is exactly what we're seeing, okay? One of the scribes came along and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well and asked him, what commandment is the most important of them all? Jesus answered. Somebody want to read that? Hear, O Israel. Somebody? So Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, there's one God, and you're to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You heard that passage before? Yep, you probably heard it before. And then Jesus goes on and said, there's a second one that's just as important. What is it? Somebody read that for me. That's right. There's no one else besides him to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment that is greater than these. And the scribe, the religious leader, said, that's right. You have truly stated he is one. There's no one be before him. And to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor is much more than all the sacrifices that have ever been made. These are, this is more important. Um, when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, like he didn't know that he answered the right way, but when he saw that, he said to them, 
You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. So what's Jesus say to them when he knows that they know that that's the right answer? What, what's, his, what's, his, what's he say there? You are, you're pretty close. You're pretty close to God when you do those things. When you fulfill those things in your life, that's really cool. And when, quite frankly, when North Lakes Christian Church was planted, um, we went through this process of trying to figure out what was most important to God, and that's what we came up with. Loving God, loving people. Pretty simple to say. Not so simple to do sometimes. And so this is the beginning of our fundamental. Everything that we do fundamentally has to be revolve around that framework, doesn't it? Because that's really what's important. It's really what's important to God. Um, when G Jesus saw that they answered him wisely, he said, you are close to the kingdom of God. And after that, no one wanted to talk to Jesus. Uh, because probably they were more interested in arguing than they were the answer. Uh, sometimes we're like that too. Um, God's laws, God's, uh, God's uh, guidelines in his Bible are really kind of like those, those uh, Russian uh, nesting dolls. Have you ever seen those? Some of you might have those at home. You have the big doll, then you take that top off, and then there's another one, and then take that top off, and there's another one, and there's like, I don't know, how many ever they are, and then you get down to this, the last little bitty doll. Um, that's kind of how the Bible is and, and his guidelines are. There, there are all these wooden dolls. There's all these laws. There's all these guidelines in the Bible. Matter of fact, the early Jews said there were about 613 laws or guidelines uh, in, in uh, God's law. 613. That's a lot. That's a lot of dolls, right? You get one, you open it up, you get another one, you open up, open up, open up. Um, and when you dig into those, you can kind of narrow, start to narrow them down. I can come up with the top ten. Can't you? Yeah? You know the top ten of, all six, of those 613? The top ten are? Yeah, the Ten Commandments. That's what those Ten Commandments are, are for. They're just basically another nesting doll, right? That's just kind of narrowed those 613 down to the top ten. I can come up with the top two. You know why? Because we've just been given them. So basically what we're doing is we're, we're, we're kind of narrowing down all of the 613 guidelines to two. It's like nesting dolls. It's like those Russian dolls. We've got the two. So loving God and loving people. A few simple guidelines might just make our lives a lot more simple because we try and make it really complicated. We try and, and, and make it so complicated that the regular person just gives up. It's kind of just like what Nathan said this morning when he was talking during our, our, our sharing time. What did you say about that friend of yours who said, I thought the world, world's problem was what? Religion. That's right. Why do they think religion is the problem with the world? It's because we try and make it so complicated. And we end up hurting people in the process. And so that's not what God intended. 
God intended for us to simplify life for people and help them to live a better life, to help them to live in relationship with him, which you know is going to be better than not having a relationship with him, right? So he wants us to simplify that. So the, the two things we're just going to talk about briefly are these, this idea of loving God and loving people. And we have to kind of remind ourselves of, the, of what this is all about because that's what this community is all about, is trying to do that the best that we can. This idea of loving God, what do you think about that? How do we love God? What, are, what things are, do we put into our lives to, to say that we're loving God? What do we do? Any ideas? Okay, so there's a time component, and I think that's biblical, right? I think the, the Bible does tell us that, he want, they want, that God wants us to spend time with him. To, uh, it says, go into your closet and, and spend quiet time with God. Okay, what else? How else do you love God? Okay, so there's a component about loving God that's about other people. Okay. Okay, standing up for what you feel like God would want you to stand up for, the right things. Okay. Okay, obeying the guidelines that he set forth for us to obey. Anything else? Okay, getting in, getting into his word. That's his message, right? That's his letters to us. So yeah, that makes sense that we would want to read his word. Surrendering. Okay, surrendering. Yeah, that's good. Making our will his. Okay, wanting to do what he wants to do rather than what we want to do. Sometimes that's very hard to do. Any other thoughts? Yeah, trust is a big one. Just having faith that he knows what he's doing, even during the difficult times. I mean, as Brett said during around our communion time, there's going to be times where our life is going to be more difficult than others. And so we have to have faith and trust him that we're going to be able to get through those things and it's going to be okay no matter what. That he can make, I think, the last little part of your verse that you make, God makes all things Beautiful, even though we think things are pretty ugly sometimes, or th things are pretty tough. So that's that's good. I want you to get your mind kind of in this idea of how we love God. It says the words that are used in the scriptures that we love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? Those are kind of ethereal words. So how do we break those things down? Um, this idea of heart uh, its the source of our feelings and emotions. The feelings like joy, sorrow, depression, despair, happiness, cheerfulness are all said to originate from our heart. Now we know it's not our physical heart, right? But there's something about us, our human nature, that we feel like our seat of emotions. They used to think it was our stomach, right? Uh, they say now it's our heart or something about our, our heart and mind working together. But to love God with all of your heart, it means to love him deeply and personally. 
like the love you would share with a father with a son or a husband and a wife or a mother and a daughter um, that we share that deep personal connection that's the emotion that we we share that emotion with God I my grandfather used to say and I'm not sure why he was so wise because uh, he didn't actually talk a lot uh, but he often when he did talk it was one of those things oh I better listen because I know it's going to be good um, but he used to say to me um, this idea of loving God with all of your heart um, he said the idea was that we should feel comfortable telling God anything and I don't know that we are sometimes I think we hold back I think sometimes we're angry with God and we don't tell him I think sometimes we are upset about the way our life is going or the way the world is or the way uh, this person has treated me or that has happened this event in my life and we need to feel open you know grandpa you say David you hear the way David uh, speaks to God about every emotion and everything and what did they say about David David was a man after God's own heart because he loved him with his heart he shared everything he was open he's open with God and he was able to share so maybe that's something you can work on if you don't feel like that's a, a, a good thing for you maybe you need to go home and, and say okay well maybe I need to share everything with God even the things I think he doesn't want to hear that's probably what he most wants to hear right I think we need to love him with all of our heart enough to share what's on our heart what's what's in our heart uh, soul this idea of soul how do we love him with all our soul um, loving God with all your soul means allowing God to really define who you are we often say that's who I am in my innermost being or my soul this is who I am oftentimes we live a life that is guarded and hidden Oftentimes we live a life that's very masked. Um, we wear a mask around for everybody to see. When loving God means that we what? We share with him who we really are. We don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to pretend that we're something that we're not. Because he knows your weaknesses. He knows your frailties. He knows the things about you that, that no one else knows. And so you have to let him in. Loving him with your soul means you let him in to your very innermost being. You, you let him know you in a way that maybe no one else does. It's important to love him in that way. Um, what about, what's the next one? Mind. Now this word mind here, uh, the English word uh, kind of, translated from a Greek or Hebrew terms it's it's the center for all your intellectual activity and this is where we do all our thinking all our learning uh, loving God with all your mind implies that we center our education and our thinking around him okay we allow him to influence our thinking we allow him to get involved in the, our thinking and that's a big problem in our world today a lot of people don't even think about how God enters into anything we think we keep that intellectual part of ourself completely separate to God because we don't think 
that he enters into that area. But he does. If we love God with all of our mind, we're allowing him to influence our thinking. We're allowing him to, to get involved in that higher brain critical thinking that we do. Um, and it makes sense that he would want to be there. Makes sense that he would want to be uh, involved in our thinking. Um, some of the smartest people I know uh, love God with all of their mind, and they are very smart and wise. They have a lot of great things to think about and say as it comes to uh, the way our world is and science and, and uh, history and art. And a lot of them have allowed God to permeate. Uh, by the way, we don't do it as much in our, in our current history, but this is in, in past history, God was involved in all of that. You just have to go through, and I haven't been to, to Europe or uh, England. I would love to go sometime. But you just go back and you look at the art and the thinking that was being done by those great men. They were all influenced by what? By God, by God himself. They allowed God to infiltrate their creativity and their thinking. They were loving God with their, with their mind. Um, we don't do that as much anymore. Hence, the art is really bad. It is. It's like stripes and dots and putting, uh, you know, what does that mean? It has no real thought and meaning behind it. We need to allow God to infiltrate our minds and love him with our mind. Ooh, it gives me chills to think about what could happen in our world if we allowed him to be there in that seat. Uh, what's the other one? Strength. Jesus says, love God with all your strength. Strength here is nothing to do with the amount of weight you can bench press, even though I, I'm impressed by that. Uh, it signifies our energy, our output, our, uh, our work, the job that we do, whatever it is you put effort into. That's your strength. And Paul eloquently explained what it means to love God with all your strength when he said, in all the work you are doing, this is Colossians 3.23, says, in all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you are doing it for the Lord, not people. Probably a good star around this one. You should probably make some notes in your phone about this one. Because when we, we go to work, we think we're working for someone else. And oftentimes when we go to work, we don't, we don't put in our best effort because we may not like that person. Or we may not have a good relationship with that person. What, what loving God with all your strength means is that person does not matter because you don't work for that person. You work for, for God as his worker, as his servant, as his child. We are working for him. And if we are loving him with all of our strength and effort, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we're working for. It matters that we're putting our energy and allowing him to guide us through that. Um, case in point, this, this whole thing at Walls End, uh, painting all these things, everybody's coming up to me and they go, why, why, do you, why would you do that? Why would you take all of your Christmas holidays and, you know, why would Katie do that? Why would she do that over and over? Come in and, and they're all saying in the heat of the day, you know, they're just having this. It's all they're having a brain aneurysm trying to figure out why we would be motivated to give up our time and our work to do that. You guys know why, right? Of course you do. 
We do that because we're not working for them. We're loving God with our strength. Because we want to impact people. We want to connect with his people. And that's what it means to connect. That's what it means to love. Okay, I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff here. You can get it from me later. The idea of loving people is pretty simple. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know, he was quoting from Leviticus 19 to be specific, and uh, it was an often misunderstood passage because a lot of the leaders thought their neighbors were who? People who were just like themselves. And so it was totally misunderstood. It's one of those passages that is the most misunderstood passage. One of the I should have done that in our series about misunderstood. But what they thought, love your neighbor, was mean I need to love people who are just like me. Right? Which, that's not what it meant at all. I need to love everyone because everyone's my neighbor. And Jesus knew that they misunderstood it. That's why he told this little story about the Good Samaritan. Right? Jesus said they, they're under, misunderstanding, loving your neighbor. So I'm going to tell them about this Good Samaritan who, you know, a guy came. He was, he was walking through the mountains, and he was robbed and beaten and left for dead. And these people come by, you know. No one wants to help him but the person who shouldn't help him, right? The person that should hate him. But he doesn't. He has compassion. He helps him. Not only helps him, takes him to a hotel, pays for all his stuff, says, I'll be back later, and I'll take care of all the, the cost. Just make sure that he's, he's taken care of. So here's a Jew and a Samaritan, two groups of people that sh should hate each other, and the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, comes along and helps this Jewish fellow out. And Jesus says, that's the point he's trying to make. He's saying the, na the neighbor is the Samaritan. The neighbor is that person that you may feel like you don't like. Okay, that's, that's the point. So when we love people, it's not about just loving those people who are just like us. It's about loving everyone, everybody, even that person who's really hard to love. And we need to love them. It's so important that we love them. You know how important it is? It's so important that there's a picture in Matthew of the end judgment, okay? And it says that one day when we will all be before God, he's going to separate us like the sheep from the goats. You remember that story? And he says, I'm going to put the goats on my left. I'm going to put the sheep on my right. And it says he has some words to the goats. He says, Look, you will never be enter into my kingdom because there was poor people and you didn't help them. There was hungry people, you didn't, didn't feed them. And there was naked people and you didn't clothe them. And what did they say? When did that happen? We didn't see anybody. And he says, exactly. You didn't see anyone. Right? Then he turns to the people on his right. He says, you guys, you fed people when they were hungry. You clothed people when they were uh, uh, naked. You helped people, you went to the prisons, and you visited people in prison, and you did a great job. You need to follow me and, and enter into your reward. And what did they say? When did we do that? I don't remember doing that. And his big reply was, if you did it to these people, you did it to me. So ultimately, the fundamental is, there is no difference between these things. We, th we see them as two 
rules. They're actually one. Because if you're loving God, you are what? Loving people. Because he says, if you're loving them, you're loving me. So the, the scripture actually should say, and it, it does imply, the original language imply, this is how that scripture should read. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the next one, it says in the Bible, is like it. But it really should read, the next one is it. You see the difference? The next one is loving God, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're loving God, you are loving people. If you're loving people, you are loving God. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. That's the fundamental that we have to get. That's the kind of idea that we have to understand, that loving God is loving people, and loving people is loving God. They're both the same. So you really only have one thing to remember. <laughs> but the reason, reason why loving people is so important is because we will be judged according to how we're loving, how we're connecting with people and how the impact that we're going to have in other people's lives. We'll be judged according to that. And God is up there and he's saying, how you guys doing? I know you can do it. He's, he's our cheerleader. He's the one who's behind us the most trying to help us begin to learn these fundamentals. I can remember going to this baseball camp and there was one particular guy. I was the slowest guy at every camp I went to because I can't run very well. And he was behind me the whole way saying, you can do it. He wasn't, you know, we had other coaches there that were like, you are useless. Get out of here. You know, let's scratch him. And this guy said, no, don't scratch him. He's got a good arm. I'm going to work with him on running. And so he would work with me for a couple hours trying to get me to that minimum level of speed that I needed to get to move on. And he was like, oh, you can do it. You can do it. And it was one of those fundamentals that was really hard for me to get. I ended up get, making it by one-tenth of a second because he worked with me for a couple of hours and I got past and I was able to go and I could sh then I was able to show them the things that I was really good at and it was great but God is up there just like that he's wanting you to become better at these fundamentals he says I know it's hard to love that person I know that it's really difficult I know you you hate them and what they have done and maybe what they're doing but but I know you can do it I know you can love that person. And he's, he's there cheering for us. And he wants us to be the very best that we can possibly be. That's the fundamental. The beginning of these fundamentals starts with this framework. Loving God and loving people. If you don't have these things, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, number verse 1 and 2, it says, if you don't have these things, love, what happens? You're like a noisy gong. You're a clanging cymbal. You're, you're useless to everybody. So you can go and you can do all those other fundamentals, but if you don't have these first, it's not going to work for you. You have, to, you have to have love. You have to do that. So begin to work on it. This week, it's a great start. Uh, I think uh, those of you who are back to school, great opportunity to begin loving students. And I meant what I, I prayed about this morning, this idea of you have a wonderful opportunity to really impact the people around you just by loving them, just by beginning to love them and, and connecting with them, having a conversation. What's important to you? 
You know, those questions like, tell me about your journey. What, what have you been doing? You know, what do you think is important in life? These ideas of you being able to impact people just by listening, just by loving them. That's the very beginning of really sharing with them about what Jesus is all about. You can do that. Same thing at work. Same thing wherever you are this week. You can, you can do it. I know you can. Begin loving.